Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Is God good all the time? You know, is God good in your life all the time? You know, what about when you're in pain or when you're depressed or you're stressed out or, or when you're worried? Is, is God good even in those times? You know, that, that's, that's the question that I want to tackle this morning, that, that I want us to, to, to try to understand is, is God really good all the time? Now, Psalm 100, verse 5 from the Living Bible says, The Lord is always good. He is always loving and kind. And His faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Now, the Bible says God is good all of the time. Now, how is, how is this true? And, and is it really true in your life at, at every second of the day. Well, today, what I want to try to, to do, what I want to try and address is how focusing on God's goodness uh, is, is so important for your life. And that when we forget it, when we don't recognize God's goodness in our life, it actually causes problems. It leads to, it leads to difficulties in our life. And then the second thing that I want to do is I want to look at the 23rd Psalm and I want to hit some bullet points. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but from the 23rd Psalm, I want to pull out nine different proofs or, or evidences of God's goodness. So, for starters, I want to speak to, and, and I, I already kind of alluded to this earlier during the announcements, that our worship is what opens up our, our understanding and the depth of our, our ability to, to grasp God's goodness. Psalm 34 verse 9 says, Worship God if you want the best, because worship opens the doors, catch this, to all of God's goodness. That's good stuff right there. All of God's goodness. How do you, how do you access, how do you come into God's goodness? Through worship. Worship opens your eyes. It, it, it's peeling back the veil that reveals God's goodness. It might be there right in front of you, but when you begin to worship, all of a sudden, the goodness of God just opens up for you. Now, some bad stuff happens if we fail to recognize God's goodness. When we either forget it, we get wrapped up with life, we get down, we get beaten up by, by the, the cycles of life, and all of a sudden we're not looking at God, we're not thinking about God. And when that happens, there are actually some negative things that happen. The first thing that's negative that begins to happen is we start claiming credit for the things that are in our life that God did for us 
we start taking credit for us. When I start claiming credit for the things that God did, um, with the things he did for me, in me, through me, you know, all, all of that stuff, then what happens is I start down a path that I don't want to be on, quite honestly, because when I start down that path, it's going to bring about judgment from God. In Luke 12, Jesus tells the story of a rich man. This guy is filthy rich. I mean, he's Bill Gates kind of rich. And he is one day surveying all of his wealth, and he's saying, man, I am rich. I wonder what poor people are doing on a day like this, because I am so rich. And he's just, he's full of himself, and he's full of his success, and he's just, he's going, man, I have so much stuff, I can't even contain it all. I'm going to have to build bigger barns, because I'm so rich. And God looks at him and he says, you fool, you fool, you're going to die tonight. And what the, the message that we are to understand this sober warning from God is I do not tolerate ingratitude. When I bless you, when I, when I fill your life with goodness, you better stop and appreciate where that comes from. It comes from God. Pride and ingratitude are serious negatives. If you want to get on God's nerves, be ungrateful. You know, don't give him the honor that is, is his, that, that is his alone. Another story from Acts chapter 12 uh, Herod, who was the king during Jesus's time, one day Herod puts on his royal robes and he comes out and he gives a speech. And it must have been quite a speech because when he finished the speech, the people that were listening to the speech started saying, oh my gosh, what a speech. This can't be the voice of a man. It must be the voice of a God. And God looks down at this and he sends an angel to strike him down with a disease. He actually had worms. Isn't that a wonderful thought? He, he strikes him down with worms and Herod dies. Now, God didn't take his life because he was immoral. God didn't take his life because he was greedy. God didn't take his life because he was a bad guy. He took his life because he was ungrateful, because he didn't show God the proper reverence. Now, someone, you know, in our day and age might say something to the, to the effect of, I built this business with my bare hands. Well, who gave you the bare hands? Well, I came up with the business plan and it was, it came out of my own mind. Well, who gave you the mind? Who gave you the ability to think? I worked hard. It was by the sweat of my brow that I brought this about. Well, again, who gave you the health? Who gave you the sweat in which to work? You know, we need to stop and understand everything we have in our life. We owe to God. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
Or 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that God hasn't given you? If all you have is from God, why do you act as though you're so great, as though you accomplished it all on your own? Now, this is an interesting thing that I didn't really realize until I began to kind of study on this, this subject for this sermon, is that ingratitude is actually at the root of atheism. Now, atheism, if you remember, is the, the belief that God. Now, when someone is ungrateful, what they do is they start saying, well, I did this myself. I'm responsible. I'm the one that made this happen. And they begin to deny God. And that leads to ultimately saying, there is no God. I'm doing all of this. Romans chapter 1 verses 20 and 21 talks about this. It says, for since the creation of the world began, or since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being, under, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, we can know a lot about God just by looking at nature, just by looking at each other. When a person stops and just takes the time to look at the, the detail of nature, the detail of creation, whenever you have creation, you must have a creator. It doesn't just happen. Romans 121, which I just read, I'm going to read again, but this time from the Good News Translation, because I think it says it in such a neat way. It says, they know God, but they do not give honor that belongs to him, nor do they thank him. Instead, their thoughts have become complete nonsense and their empty minds are filled with darkness. So the, what, what I'm trying to, to pr promote here is that the slide into unbelief doesn't begin with unbelief. It begins with ungratefulness. When I die or I forget that God is good, then I start claiming credit for stuff that I didn't do, that, that I'm not ultimately respons responsible for. God did it, or he gave me the abilities to do it. Now, a second negative consequence when I forget God's goodness is I stop asking God for help. When you forget how good God is, you start depending more and more on yourself. You start more and more thinking, it's up to me. I'm it. I, I'm the one. Matthew 7, 7 tells us, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. We have not because we ask not. Now, in our society, we value 
the strong independent type, you know, the the Rambos or the John Weenies. I mean, John Wayne's, um, you know, we we value these these bigger than life characters. But the thing that we need to remember is they're not real. They don't exist in the real world. They're they're fictional things that are for the silver screen. God wants us. He requires us. He desires us to be dependent on him. God wants us to come to him and ask him for our needs to to rely on him. When we forget that God is good, what happens is we we develop wimpy prayers because we're not really asking God for anything. If we pray at all, we pray little meek prayers. You know, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. You know, that's not a prayer. That, that we, we quit coming to God and saying, God, I have a need and I'm, I'm relying on you to do it. We we're basically just going through the motions. Now, how do you learn to trust God? Well, the way you learn to trust God is by trusting God. You come to God and you say, God, I have this need in my life and I'm bringing it to you and I'm, I'm looking to you to meet this need. I, I'm struggling with this. I, I need your help. As you have unmet needs in your life, you express those to God. God will meet that need in your life. And what happens is you say, hey, wow, God met this need. And then the next time you have a problem pop up or you have a need come up, you say, God, you met my need here. I can trust you. I'm asking you again. I have another need. God doesn't get tired of that. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the way it's meant. It's meant to be. You know, again, when Ryan's son was, hi, daddy, hi, daddy. Would we expect that little guy to meet his own needs? Would we expect him to go out and feed himself, to clothe himself, to provide for all of his needs? Of course not. Well, guess what? From God's standpoint, we are every bit as helpless as that little guy. We need to understand that. We need to quit thinking that somehow we have it, that it's up to us. If you're not expressing your needs to God, then you're not growing in your relationship with God. You're not growing in your trust with God. Luke 11 verse 13 Jesus said, if you as imperfect parents know how to give good gifts, there again, there's that word, give good gifts to your own children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, what I'm wanting to communicate here is that God expects us to come. And if we understand how we can love our own children and give good gifts to our own children, how much more when God, who is holy, who is perfect, who is good, who is loving, who is gracious, who is merciful, who is all of those things, how much more when we come to Him and say, God, I'm struggling, I have this need, 
He's going to meet those needs. We have not because we ask not. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. What's God's motivation? You know, we understand our motivation. What's God's motivation in answering your prayers? Psalm 69, verse 16, answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Everything, 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 everything God does for you, through you, to you, in you, is because he is good. Now, there's a third negative consequence that can happen when we forget how good God really is. I stop trusting God in the hard times in life. If you are aware of how good God really is, then every time you have a need, you're going to run to him. Bang, you know, you're going you're gonna to go. Psalm 16, 1 and 2 says, Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. Let's not ever forget that. Romans 5, 3 even says, we gladly suffer because we know that suffering helps us to endure. What we need to understand is in our lives, sometimes God, you know, allows things to happen. And we understand that not everything that happens in our life is a good thing. So even in the bad times, it's critical that we understand that God is still good. God has a good purpose, a good plan, and a good reason for everything. Romans 8.28, this is probably one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. It says, and we know that in everything, everything, God works for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Even when the times are tough, God is good. If you're fighting discouragement, if you're fighting doubt, if you're fighting despair, if you're dealing with, with garbage in your life, and, and the truth is, all of us deal with garbage of some sort at some point, or another. Sometimes it's an ongoing issue. So if you're fighting with depression or, or any of that kind of stuff, instead of focusing on the negative, focusing on all of the garbage that's, that's happening in your life, start focusing on the ways God has been good in your life. Get your eyes off of the problem and instead get your eyes onto God and all of the goodness that God has given you. This is, this again is worship. This is what worship looks like. When I was a little boy, my mother used to, on our birthdays, she would come in and wake us up by singing, count your many blessings, name them one by one. I guess she was trying to communicate that I was a blessing. <laughs> Now, 
now that we're all feeling a little nauseous. Um, <laughs> focus on the good, the blessings that God is doing and has done in your life. Focus on that rather than being drawn to, and it's the easy thing to do. It's so easy to look at the negative, the bad that's happening, but force yourself to take your eyes off of that and instead zero in on who God is and all of the ways that he has blessed you. Now understand this, because God is always good, all of our hope comes from God, comes from the fact that God is good. All hope is, is anticipating God's goodness. If the only, let me start, the only reason we have any hope at all is because God is good. If God is not good all of the time, then we have no reason to hope. Because if God is not really good all of the time, then we can't trust God. Because he might be good this time, but next time he might not be good. There's no consistency if that's true. The foundation of all of our hope is found in the goodness of God. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, again, a very familiar verse says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This may come as a shock to some of you. God only has good plans for your life. Let that sink in for just a little bit. Did you know that he does not have a bad plan for your life anywhere? Too many people miss God's plan for their life because they're so busy doing their own thing that they miss what, what God wants to do. Now, I preached a couple of weeks ago from the 23rd Psalm, uh, letting God meet my needs. Uh, um, I say that because I know that no one but me remembered that. And today I want to, to look at the 23rd Psalm, and I just want to hit some real quick bullet points. We're, um, we're about done here, but understand that there are, there are benefits that God has for us because he is a good God. And we're going to go through and just hit these, these bullet points real quick. The first thing that we need to understand is that God will meet your needs. The 23rd Psalm verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I will lack nothing. Understand that he meets your needs. You don't need to question it. You don't need to worry about, well, what about this? What about that? God will meet every need. The second thing is, is he, and this, some of you need this. I, I can look out at you and I can see some of you need this point. He will teach you how to relax. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. This is a metaphor for peace, tranquility. What this is saying is that because God is good, he's going to help you learn how to take 
care of yourself. He's going to help you learn how to, to relax. You know, a, a lot of people are, are constantly burning the candle at both ends. And sometimes God has to say, no, you need to lie down. You need to just relax. You need to, to slow down and just recharge. God can teach us that. He cares about you so much. He will do that. The third thing, he will replenish your strength. The truth is that a lot of you are out of gas. You are running on fumes. I said this in the earlier service. When I was in college, I had a little car that I don't think it ever saw a full tank of gas. It stayed on empty. And I would pull up to the gas pump and I'd put a dollar in or whatever I had in the change box. And so it would be just sitting above empty. And, and when it got down again, I'd, I'd put another dollar in. I, you know, I just, I, I lived on empty. Well, a lot of people live their lives that way. They constantly are just going, 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 and they never stop. They never recharge. And notice what it says in, in the 23rd Psalm. He restores my soul. A lot of translation says he gives me new strength. What we need to understand from this is that God, first of all, he's going to meet our needs. We don't have to worry about that. He's going to teach us how to relax, how to, how to unwind, and he's going to restore our souls. He's going to fill us up when we are, are spiritually and physically and mentally worn down. The fourth thing, because God is a good God, he will guide me even when I am confused, when I don't know what to do. It says he guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He is not going to guide you wrong because God is a good God, because he's holy, because he's righteous. He is always going to give you perfect advice, perfect guidance, perfect direction. The fifth thing, because God is good, he will walk with me through your darkest days, through your, your worst days. He will walk with you in the worst of times. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. God is with you. It doesn't matter who you're up against or what you're up against. You can trust that God will be there. The sixth thing, he will protect you even when you are insecure. The Bible says in Psalm 23, 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now that may not mean anything to you, but the rod and staff are the two tools that shepherds use for taking care of their sheep. And remember, we are sheep. That means that we need the guidance. We need the protection. We need the, the help that the shepherd, the good shepherd gives, gives us. And these tools are used to guide sheep, to protect sheep, to rescue sheep, to, to watch over sheep. The seventh thing, God is because God is good, he will show his favor in your life. Did you know that God wants to bless your life? Did, did you know that? He loves you and he cares about you and he wants to, to give you the best that possible. 
Favor is another term for blessing or goodness. And, and it's, it's another way of understanding God's grace. He wants to show you favor. You can have God's favor in your life. God says, I, I'm going to bless you when you, when you uh, open yourself up to me, when you allow me. Other people may want to attack you or criticize you, but I will show you my favor. He says, you prepare a banquet for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God says, I'm not just interested in meeting the basic needs. I want to give you abundance. I want to overflow your life with goodness and love and mercy and all of the things that I, I can give you. The eighth thing, because God is good, he will be good to you no matter what happens. Other people may not be good to you, but God will always be good. You can, you can count on his consistency. Surely goodness, and there's that word again, surely goodness and mercy or, or love will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of my life. I don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now. And you don't know what's going to happen in your life, but we can know this. God's goodness and his mercy will be there for us. We can count on that. And I can handle anything if I know that God's there and that God cares about me and God's looking out for me. And then number nine, as if everything isn't enough, he will also take us into the next life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I don't know about you, but I think forever is a pretty long time. And, you know, that, that is the goodness of God. Because God is good, God wants to give you a life of sustenance. He, he wants to meet your needs. He wants to meet your needs even when you're worried, even when you're stressed. He'll teach you how to relax and how, how to manage the difficulties of life. God wants to give you resilience and, and he wants to replenish you and recharge you. He wants to give you a good, holy, righteous direction, a path in, in life. He'll guide you even when you're confused, even when you don't know what to do. He'll walk with you through your darkest of days. He wants to give you, because he's good, he wants to give you assurance. He'll protect you when you're insecure. He'll, he wants to give you a life of influence, and he will show his favor on you if you trust him. He wants to give you all of this in this life, and then he promises us that he will take us with him into the next. He will be good to you. He is always good to you. Who doesn't want that? I mean, honestly, you know, who doesn't need that? God wants to provide that in everybody's life. The problem is we're like the urban cowboy. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. You know, we're, we're looking anywhere and everywhere to try and find fulfillment. We're expecting those needs to be met by our careers, by our bank accounts, or by, by relationships. God says, no, look to me, me alone, and I will meet those needs. Now, we need to understand that God loves us. 
He cares about us. He cares about us so much that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins, for my sins, for your sins, every single one of us. And we need to understand that it's born out of God's goodness that Jesus came to die on the cross because we can't do it ourselves. No, trust God's goodness. Put him to the test on this and he will come through for you. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Father, we don't deserve your goodness, but thankfully your goodness isn't based on whether we deserve it or not. It's based, again, your goodness is based on you and your goodness. Thank you for that. And I just pray that right now you would speak to the hearts and minds of every person that is a part of this service. Help them to understand in a very real way how good you are. Help us, Father, to be open to you. Lord, we need you. And we need to have a deeper understanding of, of your goodness. Please move us to the spot where we can completely grasp and understand it. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>